I aced all my finals. Friday came and Tim and I headed to Royal Castle to celebrate the end of the quarter and what would be my first experience with LSD, acid. I wasn't really bothered by the idea of using it. What did I have to lose? I was an outcast, an unwanted member of society. Tim was strange, but it hadn't seemed to turn him into a mass murderer or psycho. We each had four burgers piled high with onions. We parked ourselves in my bedroom and locked the door. Tim handed me the pill to take. I looked at it and wondered if it would be life-changing. Would it do something to me that was irreversible? Would it be something I like so much or seem so helpful for my confidence that I would not be able to live without it? I knew I had an addictive personality. I had observed Doc being an alcoholic and had told Elsa once, when I was about 12, I will never allow something like that to take control over my life. I had also aced a speech class in my first year of college. We were to write a 500-word essay and read it to the class. It would be 50% of our grade. I was terrified that I would freeze up in front of the other 25 students. So, I stopped at a 7-Eleven on the way to class and drank a tall can of Colt 45 beer. It did relax me. I delivered the speech flawlessly. I was on top of the world. The class loved it. I vowed then to never use anything as a crutch to get me through a scary situation. I placed the pill back in Tim's hand. He looked at me and I could tell he would try to convince me it would be okay. No matter what he said or did, it would not budge me. He finally said, I can guarantee you that it will change your life for the better. I said, I don't know that. I've lived without it this long, maybe some other time. Then he said, You have such a thick wall built around you. Don't you want to move out from that? Let love in. He had his hand out trying to give it back to me. The more he tried, the less interested I was in it or him. The wall built around me was made out of eggshell. It could crack easily, and that's what happened with John. I revealed my true self and it resulted in a broken heart. I then told him, I do need to tell you something else. I needed to have him question what he thought he saw the night John and I were lovemaking in my bedroom. So I said, you know what happened with John in my room was a one-night thing. He had seduced me after getting me drunk at the frat rush party. I'm guessing he does that kind of thing often. To keep a lid on it, I agreed to meet up with him and experiment. It was a mistake. I was actually fine throwing John under the bus. He deserved it after driving the bus over me. Tim said, Man, what I saw was a beautiful thing. I felt envious of you and him. I don't believe you. I was going to ask if you wanted to fool around. At that point, he pulled his shirt off and dropped his shorts. 
He had a gorgeous body, not an ounce of fat. Him or his body did nothing for me. So I said, I'm flattered, Tim, but it just doesn't work for me. I hope you can be cool about this. Please, please don't say anything to Bonnie. She would freak out. Bonnie had already asked me if something was up. You seem distant. I lied to her, like everyone else. Oh, I would never do that. I love you, man. He pulled his shorts back on. I asked myself, why doesn't he turn me on? He had an awesome body. A great and gentle guy. Nice face. But it did nothing for me. I wished it did. I then said, if I ever think about doing it with a guy, you'll be the first to know. I really like you. I thought there was a 50-50 chance he would keep it to himself. I'd just have to deal with it. Tim laid back on the other side of my bed and began to read from the Buddhism book. He believed every word of it. I loved what he was reading. No judgment. Then he pulled a joint out of his pocket and nodded to me to share it with him. I did. We smoked and he read to me. Made me think of Elsa telling me about Flora being a fundamentalist and would not have been okay with my mental disorder. My queerness. That would be hard to take from someone I loved like a mother. I didn't know what fundamentalism meant, but I had a general idea. Grandma would have to accept me. But would she? Flora raised five girls just up the road from our house. No luxury of grocery stores, air conditioning, TV or automobiles. So it would be a toss-up. Later Saturday morning, I awoke. Tim was missing from the bed. I felt rested. I was going to study the book he gave me. I wanted to know more. I was sure Elsa would be interested in Buddhism. It sounded a little like some of the things she talked about. I would not tell her about LSD. I was not tempted to take a trip. When I landed home, Elsa watched as I brought in a bunch of my stuff from school. I was squatting in my bedroom looking out across the property when she said, A penny for your thoughts. I was not about to tell all. She would not understand. When I didn't answer right away, she said, Maybe I don't need to know. Not much going on. I aced all my classes. I did meet up with John at the lunch table, and he told me the guys I was hanging around with were not who I thought they were. John said the guys are not on the swim team. She said, Why would they do that? Does it bother you? She was busy packing clothes in the grocery bags for the move to Cutler Ridge. I'm not sure. Probably to make them seem like big shits. I had thought it odd that when we were at the pool, none of the other guys spoke to them. Maybe that Sunday was a day anyone could swim in the pool. It didn't matter much. I lied to them. I let them think I was flush with money. Elsa said, If you're going to live up in Cutler Ridge with me, you'll need to get your stuff packed up. I had always lived out in the countryside on acreage. The Cutler Ridge house was on a quarter of an acre. 
seemed odd that you could see your neighbor's house and hear them squalling when the windows were open. Oh, I'm not moving to Cutler Ridge. I have too much work to do around here. Well, I would have the house to myself while replacing the roof and a few other projects before school cranked up again. It'd be interesting to be on my own in this big old house. I had lived in the house with three brothers, Elsa, Flora, two dogs, a cat, a cow, and a parakeet. Then she said, Now remember, tomorrow night we are having a party for your birthday. Why not invite some of your new friends? She was headed to the front door to make her first of many moving trips. Then I said, Oh, you will love this. I heard a few more homo terms, fag, hag, and size queen. I could not keep from smiling. I knew what was going on in her head. Elsa plopped the bag of clothes down on the dining table and looked at me. She said, I would not use those words around here. I'm guessing the size has to do with the dick and not their pants. You got it. She yanked her bag of clothes up and headed out the door. She turned back and said, Your grandmother is turning over in her grave. So I decided to call Lee up and see what they were plotting for the weekend. Lee said he was going away for the holidays with his folks, going skiing. I decided since he would not be around, that maybe I'd go out on my own, see what trouble I could get into. I always felt more confident when I was with someone else. It's time for me to venture out on my own. About 11 o'clock, I blasted off to Miami Beach and the Ambassador's Gay Bar. I was nervous walking into the foyer and wondering if the emergency lights might flicker, warning me of the cops coming in, hauling me off to jail. Once I was inside the bar area, I felt dread. I had talked myself into being confident, but reality now caused me to overthink my situation. I felt like all eyes were on me, sizing me up. The dance floor was packed and go-go boys were whirling around on a stage. The half-moon bar was about three deep with guys ordering drinks or jabbering with friends. I saw a spot where I could sneak in and order a beer. Holding the beer would make me feel slightly more relaxed. I hoped someone would start a conversation, but it seemed like everyone was with someone else. It smelled of cologne and cigarettes. Otis Redding was singing, sitting on the dock of the bay. My favorite part of the lyric was, And this loneliness won't leave me alone. It's 2,000 miles I roamed just to make this dock my home. That characterized me moving to San Francisco. A rebirth. Start over where it would be easier to be accepted. I told Lee and Paul that I was moving to San Francisco. About 50 feet further down the half moon bar, I could see more people standing. Seemed like a whole other room full of gays. I slowly began to move that direction, 
As I got closer, I noticed a hot guy, companionless. So I worked up the courage to start a conversation and headed the last 10 feet. As I got closer, I realized I was looking at myself in a mirror. I cruised myself. So I went home with myself. I drove home to wrap my mind around dating guys and how I was going to meet the guys I wanted to meet. Of the 150 guys in the bar, I only found one interesting. Me. My 22nd birthday party was more for Elsa than me. She loved making a big deal out of birthdays. She invited her boyfriend, Freddie, and my brother, Jim, and his family. It was great being with family, but I felt like an imposter. They didn't know what was really going on with me. Elsa and Freddie knew. Freddie knew because Elsa decided to tell him. He and I never discussed it. I felt like he was okay with it, but it would never be a topic of conversation. It wasn't time to tell my brother and his family. They would ask, who are you dating? It was just way too risky in my mind confessing my mental disorder, my queerness. I did think how hilarious it would be to say, oh, I'm dating a hot guy named John. He was in the seminary, but now he's working on a degree in history. The next two weeks linked me and two black boys tearing off seven layers of roof shingles from the old house. The old house my father built in the 30s. I was fascinated by the fact that my dad had put the first layer of shingles on the house 30 plus years ago. And here I am removing it. I spotted pencil marks on the exposed wood which I assumed was from him. It was a strange way of connecting with a father I had no recollection of. I didn't have much time for frolicking. I rented out the downstairs apartment to some hippies. His name was Spider. I had never come across anyone named Spider. Him and his girlfriend seemed sweet. She reminded me of the youngest Lennon sister on the Lawrence Welk show. They were stoners. They told me I was square. Well, I was. The coolest thing was they paid the rent in cash, and they had friends that wanted to rent the upstairs part of the house. My brother Jerry had helped me divide it off from the downstairs. Elsa had cut me a deal that I could keep the rent money for school. So Saturday night, I did venture out decided to go to the warehouse on 8th Street. It was gay in the upstairs and straight downstairs. The owner, Reams, was in the bar. I had met him with Lee. Lee had told me that Reams and Rock Hudson were boyfriends, lovers. Rock Hudson was not there. I thought Rock Hudson was a stud. Made me wonder if Rock and James Dean had hooked up. Once getting upstairs, I bumped into Mike from the bank and John from school. 
few minutes of small talk and Mike walked away to chase a young twink. John said, I'd like to go out with you if you're up for it. Well, I wanted nothing more. I also knew that what I wanted from him was not going to happen. It would be frustrating. We would never be boyfriends or lovers. Never. I also remember Doc saying, I'd rather have a fast nickel than a slow dime. You know, kind of take what you can take now. Don't wait around. I was going to take that nickel. John traveled home with me. He followed in his car down to the Redlands. He said, I can't believe how far out you live. I didn't think we'd ever get here. I had him all to myself in our big old house. He carried a bottle of Boom's Farm in his car and brought that inside. I had a joint that Tim had given me. While stoned, we could hear rats scrambling around in the ceiling. The rats out in the country were big, big as a medium-sized cat. We rambled into my bedroom, a bedroom I used to share with my brother Jerry. I blurted out, I can't believe you are here with me, in the flesh. I've thought about this for months and had given up on you. John pulled his shirt off and tossed it on the floor. He said, nothing could have stopped me. I think often of the first night on the beach in Boca. He then ripped my shirt off and unbuttoned my pants, pushed me on the bed and then tore off his jeans and shorts. Was it a dream? With that, his lips were on mine, like that first night. John threw me some hope. I knew not to rely on it. He said, Imagine if we had a house together, what that would be like. I said, oh, it would be really cool. I'd love it. Have our own place that we could come home to after a day at school. We could take turns cooking. So we sat in the kitchen having coffee. We were both in our shorts, no shirts or shoes. I turned my coffee cup over and turned it three times, like Flora did. I saw what looked like trails coming together. Maybe it meant that John and I would be together. I wanted nothing more than him in my life, all to myself. My heartache was gone. If you like my show, please tell your friends. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Wondery, or wherever you are listening now. Everything in my show is based on actual events. I'm your host, Joe Calderwood. I'm also the writer, recorder, producer, and editor. Music is by Freddie Elmberg. I also have another podcast by the name of Stained Fortune, and you can find that wherever you listen to your podcast. I feel
grabs me by the arm He says, I know it sounds crazy, but I met you Show you. 